Welcome back to the Owl Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Carpenter. Let's jump right into this episode. While we continue our dive into the history of Sigma Pi in these early episodes, we will again chat with Grand Sage Joe Palazzolo. In the last few episodes, we've talked about Robert George Patterson and how his actions led to Tau Phi Delta renaming themselves to Sigma Pi fraternity. He was inspired in his effort by the history of Sigma Pi Society, which is the topic of the episode today. Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Drew. I'm glad to be here as always. I continue to hear great feedback on the podcast from our undergraduates and our alumni, and I've heard that feedback from coast to coast. And of course, all of that good feedback is a direct result of you and your work in organizing these episodes, Drew, and of course, the hard work behind the scenes of people like Chris Carter and Summer Clarkson. So thank you to all the good folks at the executive office for making this service available to our brothers it's awesome. This is awesome. Look, we're doing a podcast. Look how many episodes we have under our belt so far. It's it's pretty great. Now, Drew, uh, you know that we're doing something a little different with this episode. We're going to have our first guest join us on Owl Talk, and I'll introduce our guest here in a moment. In your introduction, you correctly mentioned that Robert George Patterson, the RGP from our last few episodes, was the man who constructed the framework under which Tau Phi Delta Fraternity at Vincennes University renamed themselves as the Alpha Chapter of Sigma Pi Fraternity. Well, the name Sigma Pi itself came to RGP through his following and learning about former presidential candidate William Jennings Bryan. In his research, he learned that Bryan was part of a group at Illinois College, and the name of that organization was the Sigma Pi Literary Society. RGP was inspired by the speaking and oratory skills that Brian acquired and refined as a member of the society, and so he decided that he wanted to be a member of Sigma Pi too. Of course, as we went over in a prior episode, RGP's parents let him know that he was going to go to Ohio State instead of Illinois College, and from that point, we get the Patterson episode in our fraternity's history. And we will dig into that episode in a future podcast. But it is during this time in the formative years of our fraternity when our education on what happened back then begins to shift away from the society and its its history and move instead to the work that RGP did in convincing Tau Phi Delta to change its name. Meanwhile, the Sigma Pi Literary Society still existed, was still doing its thing at Illinois College, and was still advancing union and progress with its members. And that brings us to our guest on this episode of the podcast. We are really excited to welcome Mike Weisenfelder from Sigma Pi Society. Mike was the president of the society when I visited them back in November 2018. And when I saw that we were recording an episode on Sigma Pi Society, I thought, hey, we should go directly to the source. So, Mike, welcome to the Owl Talk podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I'm real excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. We're so glad to have you with us on this episode. Uh, okay, we have some questions about the society, and if Drew will allow me, maybe I can ask the first question, which is, what is the Sigma Pi Literary Society? I actually have my Sigma Pi of Illinois College history book here. 
Uh, so if, if you'll allow me, I'll uh, read a quick excerpt from that. So the Sigma Pi Society was founded by 14 Illinois college men on June 24th, 1843. The name Sigma Pi was presented to the early members by founding father Samuel Willard, who wanted the name to reflect the first letters of the Greek words, Cystasis Chi Procope, thus pledging the society to pursue the ideals of union and progress. Uh, the founder, Henry Wing, suggested what became the motto, Let There Be Light, and the society held its first literary meeting, November 12th, 1843, in Upper Beecher Hall. Later, Illinois College gave Sigma Pi a permanent home in Upper Beecher in 1856, and it's been located there ever since. So uh, just going off of that little excerpt, um, Sigma Pi Literary Society is very similar to a fraternity. Um, so we're a group of brothers deeply rooted in tradition. Uh, we participate in philanthropy, uh, you know, mostly focusing on helping groups in our local community. We have formals, uh, other social events, have our Greek week celebrations. Uh, we even do like our own intramural teams. Um, one of the one of the main differences, I guess, is uh, we don't live in a we don't live in a big house, uh, but we do have the aforementioned Beecher Hall where we can uh, hang out and do homework, uh, play video games. We have our literary meetings there, and um, one of the biggest differences, I guess, is uh, we also hold literary productions. So one of our main goals as a society is literary excellence. Um, it's what, you know, what we strive for, uh, whether that's in getting really good grades or working with the community, et cetera. Uh, and one of the ways that we do that is we have um, our literary productions. So those are basically a semester long, there's a semester long topic where each one of our brothers will create a production, which is just a formal researched uh, public speaking event where members of our society, members of other societies, uh, members of just the community, if they want to come by, can uh, can come listen to some some great research productions and it you know helps educate our peers as well as um, give us a little bit of practice with public speaking and researching skills. And uh, oftentimes we would even have debates and things like that. So so when you mentioned earlier that Beecher Hall is where you have your literary meetings, these are the meetings you're talking about, these productions? Yes. And uh, we also have a weekly meeting that we would you know, talk about things that need to be done. Different positions would have different notes on if there's a, you know, if there's a production coming up, we would talk about who's going to do that, or our our social chair would talk about events coming up and things like that. So, like, we'd also have like formal meetings that were noted out and everything like that. Great, you know, there there are a lot of similarities between what your literary society does and what a typical fraternity chapter does, and we'll talk more about those similarities here in a moment. But maybe you could tell us a little bit more, if there's more to tell, on any type of 
structure that the society has outside of Illinois College? Is there a nationals? You know, uh, in in the fraternity world, sometimes you you read about this uh, on the internet. There is there's often you know nationals says this or nationals says that. We call it our executive office. So we so instead of referring to it as nationals, we'll call it our executive office team. Uh, those are the folks who their full-time job is working for the fraternity. Does the society have something similar? In short, no. We're we're strictly based in Jacksonville, Illinois, through Illinois College at Illinois College. I think the closest thing that we we have to external decision makers or you know people who would work at, air quote for us are the trustees. We have a set of alumni that are elected to become our trustees. So they provide us with necessary funds if we need it, uh, whether that's for, you know, renovating the hall, some social events, uh, they'll help us out with that. Uh, We have a a big year-end celebration called Love Feast, which is funded by the trustees. And then in turn, they get to sort of make a couple decisions on how we're going about things, um, you know, making sure to kind of kind of keep us in check a little bit, you know, how, uh, how young college kids can get, I guess. <laughs> so it's, it's our, a little bit of structure. Great. Great. You know, there's, there, there's always got to be that connection between the alumni members of an organization and the undergraduates. And it sounds like that's, that's what you have with your board. Um, is there any other way for alumni to remain engaged with the activities of the undergraduate society? I think that there's nothing really structured, but we usually have a lot of alumni come back for, you know, the recruitment process, our new member orientation, you know, we'll have, we'll always have a couple guys come back and uh, introduce themselves and just kind of get to know the newer people, uh, tell some stories, um, things like that to just, you know, get their, get their feet out there, I guess. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Again, sounds it sounds a lot like a typical fraternity chapter, and we'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. So, can you tell us about the Sigma Pi Society as it exists today? What is it like? So, I will say, even uh, even three years removed from college, I, I like to think that the society, even now, is is still very active in my life because it's it's helped me to form lifelong relationships. So, I've built a really strong network of friends, brothers that I can always rely on. And even now I have a a really good group of friends that are uh, all in the same town. All live live fairly close to me that I see on a weekly basis. My roommate is even an alumni of of the Sigma Pi Literary Society. And a lot of them, you know, they've helped me with my career, my relationships, and, you know, even my mental health. We actually also just started a weekly soccer league that is uh, pretty much all <laughs> Sigma Pi alumni. As far as the society itself, though, I think this past year they recently brought in six members, so uh, we're relatively small, uh, you know, on a, in terms of the grand scale. But at Illinois College, I think it's only about 900 students go there. And we usually keep around 10 to 20 members will be in the society, and you know, with all this crazy stuff with the pandemic and COVID and all that. Numbers have been a little bit lower, but um, we've still been able to do like our virtual literary productions. They did some virtual recruitment events uh, as well this past year. It's been actually really cool because 
being, you know, now I'm a pretty decent drive away from uh, Illinois College, that it, it was nice that I was able to just log on to the computer and, and be a part of a lot of their productions, some of their events. I got to uh, participate in a questionnaire with some of the new members, things like that. So almost a, almost a little bit of a blessing. And our traditions are, usually, are also passed down as well, continue to be passed down. Uh, and as far as I know, I've spoken with uh, many alumni throughout my years. So as an active member and even after graduation to alumni who are members decades ago. And so many of them share, share the same stories, you know, as well as uh, some sharing some of the traditions. So it's one of those that I like to think that, you know, not too much has changed throughout the years, but uh, obviously a lot of things have been phased out as, as the times change. I love, I love hearing that you're still connected to your brothers, Mike, your brothers in the society. That's awesome. I, I, so I've, I've got a question. Uh, is is there a new member education process at the society level? Like, what is what is that like? Yeah, it's a three week process. Goes along with um, meeting uh, every single day for three weeks, getting to know each other, just spending a lot of time together, teaching our all of our new traditions. Basically, you know, getting to know each other, becoming brothers. Three week process to just just bond, and it's uh, it's a really great time. And that's one of those things that uh, alumni participate. You get to know so many people. You get to feel like you have a family away from your family, you know, and especially for, for a lot of these younger guys or guys that have moved from different countries. You know, we have a, a lot of international students that are in our society that we're the, we're the closest thing to family that they have since everybody else is overseas. So it's pretty much, you know, a lot of bonding, a lot of traditions. It's great. You know, we, we often tell our guys that joining the fraternity is like joining a home away from home. And it sounds like it's very similar with, with the society. Uh, Hey, I remember when I was out there visiting and we were having lunch, uh, one of the things that some of the society guys, um, I, I guess I guess you guys found it interesting was that we have some you know fun things that we do on the fraternity side and um, I guess some of those things were fun for the society too. So let me ask you about those things. Like, do you, do you guys have fun inside things like nicknames for guys, like big brothers and little brothers, anything like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Instead of instead of big brothers, little brothers, uh, we do fathers and sons. Uh, so that way it's kind of kind of passed on so then you you can like learn about your your grandparents and and great grandparents and things like that of like the guys that came before you in terms of uh in terms of nicknames each of us have a have a nickname for each other that we all get on our uh our first day of, of new member orientation in always going to be some stupid inside joke that <laughs> that nobody gets except for you know the the guys in the society Cool. Again, very much like a typical chapter of a fraternity. Uh, hey, so tell us, are there are there other literary societies at Illinois College? And and if there are, are they also very local in nature, or are they connected to larger organizations? Uh, yeah, there's uh, quite a few. I th- so there's uh, our sister society, Sigma Phi Epsilon, not related to the national fraternity. Um, and they're, they're a group of females that is just local, only at Illinois College. There's uh, Gamma Delta, who is another female society. Gamma Nu, who is their 
male society, Chi Beta, who's another female society, Pi Pi Rho, who's a male society, and Phi Alpha, who is another male society. And there are uh, our neighbors below us. So uh, we get Upper Beecher and uh, they get to sit nice and nice and underneath us at all times. And then uh, there also is uh, Alpha Phi Omega, which I think is our only national society so they're a they're a service fraternity sort of a different uh different group altogether. but um we oftentimes host social events with them as well so yeah they're uh they're a national uh co-ed fraternity and they do they do focus on service like you said uh, and so there are no other national organizations on campus besides alpha phi omega is that right yeah that that is correct just all of us little local boys <laughs> What do you think the average size is of the literary societies there? How many members on average does each group have? It it really depends year to year. You know, societies are a little less picky. You're probably going to have more members. As for our society, for Sigma Pi society, we're, we're usually try to be a little bit more exclusive. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have a, we, we like to strive for literary excellence. So we have a minimum GPA requirement, you know, we, we like to surround ourselves with people who are gonna better us, I guess, <laughs> is the best way to say that. But they usually range around, I, I want to say like around 20. On the lower years, I think we got down to eight active members at one point. Uh, some of the other societies have been as low as five. We had a year where we were off uh, for one year and, uh, couldn't accept any new members. So, um, that really ate into our numbers. Uh, and luckily the next year we were able to pull in a, a really large class from all the guys who wanted to be in it the year before. And then all the guys who wanted to be in that same year, um, as well. So it varies though. Is there any connection today between our two organizations? Well, thanks for that question, Drew. The short answer is that while we have a similar name, we are not members of the same organization. Uh, This reminds me of two contextual items that may help our listeners better understand what I mean. First, back when Pope St. John Paul II was still Pope, he would refer to the relationship between the Jewish people and the Christian people as the Jewish people being, and I quote, elder brothers in the faith of Abraham, end quote, meaning that both Jewish and Christian faiths stem from the same source. I think very similarly of all fraternal organizations, but I especially feel strongly about this relationship between Sigma Pi Society and Sigma Pi Fraternity. While the Society is not our predecessor organization, The fire that the society ignited in Robert George Patterson is what inspired Tau Phi Delta to change its name to Sigma Pi Fraternity, and thus I consider the society to be the fraternity's elder brothers in fraternalism. The second bit of context that I have on this question, Drew, takes me back to 2018 when when I visited Mike and his brothers in the society. During that visit, one of the undergraduates in the society asked me if he transferred to a campus where there was a chapter of Sigma Pi fraternity, would he automatically be a brother? And of course, I told him no, because we are separate and distinct organizations. There have been individuals who are members of both organizations, however. For example, Justice Curtis Shake from our Alpha chapter was made an honorary member of the society. 
and Harold E. Gibson of the Society was made an honorary member of our Alpha chapter. So there is absolutely the possibility to be a member of both organizations. As members of the fraternity, we are not permitted to join other social fraternities, but the society, though it functions and appears in many respects like a traditional college fraternity, the society is a literary society, which is a different categorization altogether. Just another point on the connection between the two organizations. Over the years, there have been many official interactions between the society and the fraternity. And again, maybe this is a topic for a future podcast. I think some of the interactions are funny, actually. For, for example, way back in 1922, 100 years ago, someone, we don't really know who, sent a letter to the society that was supposedly written by our Alpha chapter at Vincennes, and the letter threatened legal action if the society didn't stop using the Sigma Pi name. Uh, you know, <laughs> the two funny bits about this are, of course, that the society was using the Sigma Pi name first, and our Alpha chapter actually closed 12 years earlier. So who even knows who wrote that letter representing themselves from our Vincennes group, which didn't even exist in 1922? Uh, so, you know, that, that, that type of silliness aside, there were more interactions between the fraternity and the society over the years. Perhaps the closest our groups ever came to formalizing a relationship was in 1968, when Justice Shake, at the direction of the fraternity's Grand Council, prepared a document, and the document was called a proposal for a compact of union and progress between the Sigma Pi Society of Illinois College and the Sigma Pi Fraternity of the United States. In that document, he briefly outlined the histories of the two organizations and suggested an eight-point plan for joining the society and the fraternity together. That plan included how to claim a shared history, which for any of our listeners is an easy enough task to understand. Uh, it then went on to state that the society members would be initiated into the fraternity, but that the society would not have a letter designation like Alpha Chapter or Beta Chapter, but rather it would be known as the Sigma Pi Society of Illinois College Chapter. The plan went on to say that all of the society's alumni would automatically become members of the fraternity, that the society would be encouraged to continue its pursuits as a literary society, for example, the productions that uh, Mike talked about earlier. Uh, the proposal said the society would continue to use Beecher Hall. Society members would continue to wear their special society badges. Uh, the society's permanent endowment funds would be their own. And that, of course, we would let Illinois College know of the union between the two entities. And this is why our shared history decades ago also becomes somewhat comical. And this is, you know, for, for both of you, Drew and Mike, way back in 1960, the fraternity received a note from the society saying that the society was interested in learning about joining the fraternity. And we, we received a few of those notes over the last 125 years. And in the years that followed, we had staff make visits to Illinois College. We continued to discuss bringing the society in. And ultimately, Justice Shake put together this, this elaborate plan that I just briefly uh, talked about. And... Um, he presents it to the Grand Council. The Grand Council unanimously approves the plan. Well, when he presents the plan to the society in 1968, again, remember, the society asked us back in 1960, you know, how can we become members? In 1968, when the plan is presented to them, 
the society, God bless them, comes back and essentially says, we're not interested. Our alumni aren't interested. We have a negative view of joining with you guys. You have good luck with your fraternity. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's hilarious to me. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that whole interaction 60 years ago started because the society wanted to know about joining us. But, you know, a lot of the issue back then had to do with the speed of communication or maybe the lack of speed of communication and research. If Justice Shake and the folks from the society had the benefit of today's technology, the internet and instant communications, then I have no doubt that we would have joined the fraternity and the society together decades ago. And this would all be ancient history to us by now. Uh, I am hopeful, though, that we can get to a point of better recognizing the inspiration that the society provided to Robert George Patterson and ultimately to the fraternity. And with modern technology that allows us to stay in touch on a more regular basis, who knows? Maybe that more formal recognition relationship could be here sooner than we know. I think interactions like this podcast episode really help to move us in that direction. Yeah, definitely. Um, just just going off of that, um, I think it's been it's been really cool these past few years. And like when you visited us back in 2018, there's a lot of that history that you know you kind of hear a little bit through the grapevine. Like you know, we heard the rumor that back in the day that we wanted to join together, um, but none of the guys, at least when I was there, none of the guys really knew the the whole history of our society and how we are actually a lot closer to the fraternity than, than we thought. And uh, there is, you know, such a strong connection with, you know, Robert George Patterson and how your fraternity had been created and how it got its name and all that. So it's been, it's been really cool uh, listening to the first few episodes of, of your podcast, hearing the story and how, how it's unfolded. And I'm just incredibly happy to be a part of it so far. And you know what, Mike, we are we are glad to have you here. And and I really enjoyed visiting with you guys. Uh, we are a lot closer than people think, and there's there's a lot more crossover and 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 shared experience than people may imagine. For example, uh, you know, we we use our our mascot is is the owl, and I think you guys use the same one. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And and I think your colors are black and gold. Is that correct? Yep. Ours are, ours are lavender and white, but our undergraduates usually style the uh, lavender as traditional purple, and then they often use black and use gold, which is our um, auxiliary color. So we often have guys that have shirts that are in black and gold, and just, it just looks, it looks very similar. And by the way, that's another thing when it comes to crossover. When you guys wear your letters on campus, I mean, there's nothing indicating that the shirt is a society shirt. It's just Sigma Pi letters, right? Yeah. Actually, I've had... You know, I've been wearing my shirts out at, um, you know, a bar or just out in public. And I've had men from the uh, from the fraternity, you know, usually alumni that'll come up to me and be like, hey, you Sigma Pi, like you're in Sigma Pi. And, you know, have to have to talk through and explain, talk through the whole thing. But I've made some really good interactions with uh, some of the fraternity members just from wearing the letters because, you know, it's, it's so similar. I uh, I love that. Well, look, maybe maybe they'll listen to this podcast and they'll better understand the uh, the connection between our organizations next time you see someone out there. And that'll wrap up today's discussion. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Owl Talk podcast. And thank you to our first ever guest on the Owl Talk podcast, Mike Weisenfelder. 
Thank you for listening. Make sure to hit subscribe and please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, I believe.